everyone, and welcome to episode 85 of the Drunk Friend Podcast. As always, we're your hosts. I'm Trav. I do the Nest Friends. Over there's Alex. He does the Nest yo. Drugs. That's, he said yo. He typically does. And then today, we're bringing a special guest here right out of the gate. We got my pal and co-host on another podcast you might have heard of, Polykill. We got Steve in the house. Steve, hello. How are you doing? I'm doing wonderful. I appreciate with you leading pal first, co-host second. That makes that makes me feel good. Warm fuzzies over here. Yeah, just that was just a, a very recent change. Uh, I was like, you know what? I think this guy's more of a friend than a business partner at this point. <laughs> he's an enemy first, but he's he's won you over. I know. Yeah. It takes a long time to for me over a year of podcasting together, and eventually you got to my heart. But uh, no, it's it's great to have you on. What's interesting here, this to me, being the man in the middle, this feels like I'm, you know, my it's like my wife and my mistress just ran into each other at Walmart. Like I'm uncomfortable uh, being Uh-oh. right in the middle of of my <laughs> two my two boots. Oh boy, are you worried we're going to start gossiping about you and, and in front of me? Yeah, comparing notes and making sure you're telling <laughs> you know us both Trav, the same thing. You know he he's just so <laughs> filthy. You know he he never cleans up after himself. Has you he know, ever sent he, you flowers? He's never sent he me ne- any. I, the, the last time he got flowers was after an argument. Okay, yeah, well and, that's and true. We, God, we, <laughs> tell me twice. It's it's I, you know the flowers are nice. Don't get me wrong, but I'm so sick of only getting flowers when he feels like he has to send them to me. <laughs> yeah. I don't know where that voice came from. I, I liked it though. I yeah. really, it was very good. Uh, it made me not want to send you flowers, but it was a, it was a good character. No, I know. Damn it! I not know. even those cool Lego flowers that you like put together. Oh, Have those I those? would send you. Those I would definitely send you. Yeah, those yeah, are those fun. are awesome. And they're also like a hundred bucks or something ridiculous like that. But but uh, I wanted to ask Steve though. Uh, I think he's a Minnesota guy, right? I am, yes, indeed. Minnesota, born and raised. Did you have a particular store that you would rent games from, like a local chain, like a video update, Mm. anything like that? Specifically a rental store, so not like a Funko Land? Oh, see, Funko Land counts, because um, that's a regional thing, too. I was going to ask you about Funko Land. Yeah, so I, I bought all, well... I bought a good chunk of my games from Funko Land. All my rentals were mostly, I think, mostly blockbusters. Oh, okay. But there might have been the occasional like video update, yeah, thrown in there. Yeah, there was one in uh, South St. Paul where I grew up on the, uh, near the elementary school I went to. So I, that was my go-to. Uh, so I I love I love hearing about Funko Land though. There's I it's always frustrating when it's like, oh man, you guys didn't have Funko Land. That place was freaking awesome. And uh, the commercials too. They had those like ten second commercials with the the two TVs that compared. I don't know if you remember those, <laughs> yep. but yeah, with the gamey sounds and stuff like that. Yeah, I miss Funko Land. Same. I remember when the the one I'm on the east side of the Twin Cities. Yeah. Over and for folks that know, I live in near like Woodbury is the the biggest yeah. major east suburb. Um, and I remember when it stopped being a Funko Land and it turned into a GameStop, which is like conveniently for my age coincided right around the time when I feel like I was transitioning out of being a very innocent kid into being a young teen and starting to earn responsibilities. It was very, very end of an era. Yeah, I remember, I, I know that area because, uh, and I know the location you're talking about because that was next to a Best Buy, I think. Yep. And yep, that Best Buy is gone indeed. too. 
Yeah, now it's a gym. Who needs a gym? I'm not, <laughs> I'm not working out. That's co- quite the contrast. We went from <laughs> yeah. big box electronics to freaking weightlifting. But um, yeah. yeah, I used to, um, the, the movie theater that we would go to uh, was right there too. It was a United Artists Theater and that was like the fancy theater because the theaters by us were just awful. Like they were the classic like... They only have four screens, and I think one was called Cine 5. It was in West St. Paul on Robert Street, and it was just the most disgusting, gross theater. Classic, like, feet sticking to the floor, garbage everywhere. <laughs> like, you know, it was just off. It smelled bad. It was, it was bad. But, uh, yeah, good times. Good times on the east side of Minnesota, or uh, the east side of the Twin Cities, I should say. Yeah, I mean, for all of the three months when the weather is solid, it is it is good. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't miss that at all. Yeah. Oh, all right, man. That Minnesota living, I feel like I'm missing out. I have been to Minnesota. I visited the Twin Cities. Oh, yeah? I had to go there for work. Oh, cool. yeah, I did go there. I went there in the late fall one year, hit up a, a number of game stores there, and it was it was decent. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, you know, you got to go out on the boat and, you know, you get some, get <laughs> out some on walleye the lake. Oh. out on the lake, you know. <laughs> Take it up to Vermilion. Vermilion. Oh, Malax. <laughs> if you know Malax, you know, I, I know a friend up there. You go up by Walker, go to Cass Lake, you know, up by the lodge. <laughs> That's where you got to go. Um, I don't fish anything south of Cloquet. <laughs> <laughs> I am uncomfortable. I don't know. Something about that accent. I feel oh, like the on. walls are caving in. It's a friendly accent. Yeah. Yeah. Like but, somebody's uh, about to get tossed in a wood chipper, but yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> no, that's good stuff. All right. Well, you know, this is the part of the show where we kind of talk about some of the stuff that we've made recently. And, and Steve, I'm going to toss you in here. And actually, I'm going to do it out of the gate because, uh, if folks know, they keep up, obviously, uh, you know, I, my channel's Nest Friend. You have been on Nest Friend. You would be familiar to some folks that follow Nest Friend because your sure. your lovely mug and game room has been featured as such in our collection showcases. And so we've seen a lot of your, your wares. you got a nice collection over there. But even more uh, recently than that, you put out a big old just girthy all the way around, just a redwood <laughs> tree video <laughs> of, your, of your game room. And... As far as game room tours go, I stand by it. I'm not just saying this because you're here and you're my you're my podcast mistress. Uh, it's pretty well done, and I enjoyed watching it. And uh, um, yeah, I just wanted to shout that out. And, and if you have anything you wanted to add or plug about that game room tour, feel free. But uh, it is good stuff. Yeah, I mean, if you're the type of person that is interested in like feature length film duration game room tours like bordering on two hours, you'll have fun. You know, it's a high quality room tour because it takes like. 15 minutes before you see a game like you, we're just we're just going through ephemera memorabilia all sorts of stuff before we even hit our first game shelf but yeah I, it was a lot of fun to record i always wanted to record a room tour i don't know if that's like a random thing or like a random thought but i was always like man i'd like to have a room tour recorded at some point in my life plus at a certain collection size i'm like I would not, for insurance sake, hate to have yes. detailed, documented video <laughs> of everything I have in this room. So it was kind of win-win. And just the idea of making a lawyer watch all that would be, would be awesome. <laughs> so. See if he laughs at the few jokes you put in there. You're yeah, like, yeah. yeah, I know my whole house burned down, but but I didn't see you giggle at that good joke. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's that's good stuff, and I I think it scratches a specific itch for us collectors. I mean, the you know displaying and having the games are kind mm-hmm. of a secondary part of the hobby. For me, uh, there was a time in my life I don't know I'm going to say right around the time my daughter was born when people just stopped visiting me, 
because <laughs> I was tied up with this whole family. Then COVID came around, but it was always that's my favorite part: having people in the game room and just seeing them uh, kind of wander around and look at stuff and pull things off the shelf and recall their childhood. And you have I you and I've had this conversation before, where it's like it doesn't matter how many Panzer Dragoon sagas you have in your house, people go yeah. right over to like Maniac Mansion and they're like, "Oh, this one." I remember this game. And you're like, that yep. game's worthless. I mean, it's a good game, but check out some of my others. But I think a game room tour scratches that itch where you're you're, you're leading someone through your, your special place. I don't know. I get it. I totally get it. I, I actually had that happen to me when I first moved to Albuquerque. Um, I had all my stuff set up. Uh, it was within the first week of living in this really awful apartment. Um, and the maintenance guy had to come in. He was a little bit younger than me, and he saw my games He's like, oh, man, check out these Super Nintendo. This is awesome. And then, of course, you know, I'm like, oh, is he going to go? Is he going to look at Earthbound? Is he going to look at, you know, Chrono Trigger or something, you know, neat or somewhat valuable or quote unquote rare? No, he goes, oh, you have Donkey Kong Country. Oh, man, I remember that game. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, my God. And most people That's do. That's a universal, <laughs> universal experience. We, we just... Like a month ago, maybe maybe a little more, we had a like a a, a very minor flood in Ooh. our basement. We were trying to figure out what it was. We didn't know. We thought it was water heater related, but it was like a overnight there had been flooding, and then by the time we got there, it was no longer flooding, and we couldn't figure out the source. So we had a plumber come out, and he was just like basically like scouring all around in our basement trying to figure out where this could have been coming from. And I was working at the time, and I actually work out of the game room because that's just the only computer desk that I have. And I like left the door cracked open when I had went to let him in and he's walking by and he like, I think a cat came into the office and it knocked the door open so he could see into the entire game room and his, like his jaw hits the floor. He's like, wow, you, you, it, you like video games, don't you? And I'm like, yeah, yep, I do. And he goes, you, you got, you got that, you got Contra in there? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, believe believe it or not, buddy, I got your Contra for you. Yeah, <laughs> it's always the same games. It's always Contra. It's always, uh, yeah, Maniac Mansion's another good one. Uh, mm-hmm. One of those like uh, AAA titles from like Konami or Capcom and stuff like that, like Bionic Commando, sh- stuff like that. Tecmo Bowl's a big Tecmo one. Bowl, of course. Yep. Yep. Yeah, the dads love that. They love that Tecmo <laughs> Bowl. <laughs> so true. Uh, as far as uh, Nest Friend and Snest Drunk, uh, Alex, you, you've had a pretty interesting week. Uh, you got you had a video come out that's a little atypical from your your you know standard reviews. You had the rigged rentals, which I thought was a great idea. It wasn't your idea, so you don't get credit for it. But it's yeah. a good it was a good video. Oh, thanks. Uh, yeah, the video the the idea actually came from the infamous uh, Stas Drunk, who we've uh, some people may mm-hmm. know who he is uh, by name only. But uh, he is the weirdo that made um, a <laughs> John Stossel parody of SNES Drunk and made it about, like, economics somehow. It's hard to explain. <laughs> yeah. But um, it it's is. really, really funny because he sounds just like him. He talks just like him somehow. Uh, it's it's one of the most strange, obscure, yet weirdly specific niche comedy things I've ever seen. It might be the most obscure yeah. niche comedy thing ever like it's 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 absurd but um yeah it was his idea and um 
yeah, I just really wanted to uh, walk through the experience of, okay, you you know, it's Friday night, your homework's not done, but uh, who cares? Um, so you're going to the video store. Uh, I was able to walk to video update, luckily, when I was a kid, and they didn't have much. Uh, so every, all the popular stuff was always checked out. So then you move on to like the other stuff that maybe wasn't quite as popular, like Breath of Fire or uh, like Cybernator or something like that, like mm-hmm. stuff that you didn't get that you didn't see like ads or commercials for. And you didn't really know anybody that owned the game, but it, you could only really go by the cover and like the pictures on the back and stuff. But even those were usually checked out. So then you had to like roll the dice on something weird. And then that's when you get into some of these games are rigged like to not be enjoyable experiences as rentals like uh for the they one of the examples i use is uh a game called super valis 4 well yeah super valis 4 where the japanese version of the game is fine it's like oh one hit deaths for enemies and uh your life replenishes after beating a boss and stuff like that usual stuff but in the u.s version they change all that up uh bosses are harder to beat uh your life doesn't replenish like they make all these ridiculous changes just to make the game uh harder to beat on one rental and like that's like an easy example that's just a small example there's also stuff like contra hardcore which is an impossible game uh as is but the japanese version has a health meter it's like wow that would have been nice to have but yeah they put the konami america konami's american vision put the kibosh on that so yeah that's that's basically what it was about and somebody mentioned a really good one in the comments um that fits the criteria perfectly and i wish i had thought of it it was for jurassic park for super nintendo because um that game is a top-down adventure game where you know you explore you find dinosaur eggs you blow stuff up and you know whatever there's no save system there's not even a password system that's right so yeah you you could play this game like all weekend you know for like 10 12 hours however long and still not beat it you there's no way you can do that so uh there's no save system so you were screwed so yeah that's totally rigged rigged that's why why i I, yeah they, they want you to buy the thing so yeah it's uh I thought that was a fun topic to get into. But then also, more exciting, way more exciting than that, um, I was lucky enough to get... This is going to post on Friday, right? So I'm going to get uh, uh, a a video that's actually going to... We're recording on Wednesday, but uh, it's going to post tomorrow. It uh, it is a long play of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge, which is uh, actually releasing tomorrow. Yeah, I got a reviewer copy for it. Um, and I played it with my girlfriend for about an hour, got, uh, about, uh, through the sixth level, I want to say into the seventh level. And, um, it's everything you would hope it would be. It's, uh, that's it's, awesome. Uh, I have to be careful cause the contract thing I agreed to says I am not allowed to discuss the game before it's released. <laughs> so hopefully nobody is, nobody else lis- is listening to this right now, but, uh, and nobody <laughs> will listen to this until Friday, but yeah, it was, it is a lot of fun. I can only imagine how much fun it is, um, with six players. It's gotta be just batshit crazy, but even with two players, it's pretty fun. Um, it's not like streets of rage Four where it's 
it goes and in, gets into the mechanics and stuff like that of of beat 'em ups and move sets and different characters and stuff like that. It's not like that. It's it's more way more straightforward of a beat 'em up. It's it's a lot like Turtles in Time. It's like it, ex- mm. it greatly expands the world of Turtles in Time and expands the vibe that that game creates. So yeah, that that game is is such a blast. And what I what I'm most excited about it is that the online functionality it doesn't work for me yet because i don't think the servers are online yet but um you can it there's a world map in between uh levels and it you have the functionality of not only going back to the main menu and switching characters anytime you want but you can also access the on like i want to play this one by myself or i want to play this one couch co-op right now let's go to this level and play this one online let's go to this one and play this one online let's set up a a party let's do this it's very flexible in how you can do uh how you can set games up and how you want to play multiplayer um the thing is though is that i've read that it uh will only be cross-functional between pc windows and xbox for now so if you have it on switch and if you have it on uh playstation though you're kind of on an island for each of those unfortunately for now it is a blast it is funny you're gonna laugh out loud when you play this one there's a lot of laughs Oh, that's good news yeah Yeah. and the music is awesome there's a freaking wu-tang song in this game uh made by uh raekwon it's a new song too i think it's uh raekwon and ghostface killer yeah it's it's like man they're they're going all out with this but uh yeah it's pretty awesome it's it's i really had a lot of fun and i'm gonna probably finish the game after i'm done talking to you guys all right well we won't i'm gonna try not to keep you too long but gosh dang that (laughs) sounds awesome i'm so happy cowabunga i'm so happy to hear (laughs) yeah no no that they uh someone was taking good care of my nostalgia like that because it's not it's not always taken well care of it's usually a cash in and this seems like it was made by some passionate people yeah and i just love it yeah i love it i think that's the the best way to put it is that it, it was it's very obvious that it was made by not only fans of the video the original video games and by video games i mean like the, the arcade beat up and turtles in time mm-hmm. but also big fans of the original cartoon like the the art style and the color palette or like Rocksteady and Bebop look exactly like, you know, they, and Shredder, like they all look right. like they like they should basically. And uh, the animation is amazing. The pixel art is just so crisp. The music is great. It fits. So yeah, uh, it's 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 a blast. I'm so jealous you got to play it. But congrats for. I mean, this is the first uh, sort of endorsement that you've taken advantage of, and I don't blame you for taking this yeah. one. But congrats on that. This was a this is a great Thanks. opportunity. Yeah, I've gotten offers before, but it's usually for like, hey, here's my, you know, Atari twenty six hundred game that I made in a week. Can you? I'll 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 give you twenty dollars if you want to do a video on it. And it's like, no, I, I'm sorry, I can't do that. But um, yeah, th- this I, I was very surprised to see the email I got. I was like, hey, you want a review copy? And I was like, hell yeah. So um, dude, that's yeah, so cool. Yeah, Steve and I were talking about this on Polykit a little bit in that we both went after, because uh, Limited Run uh, is is releasing a little, you know, there's a collector's edition, you can get their solo versions, and of course you have to wait a little bit. Limited Runs, they're like Wendy's fries, right? Made to order, got to wait a little bit at the <laughs> I think window. it's July 31st is what they said. When they're shipping? I think, so. I th- that might just wow. be like a placeholder date, but um, I, think the, gotcha. I, th- I think that's the Switch <laughs> date that I saw listed. Oh wow! Well, I did get the switch. I see. I'm so used to not even checking that with limited run. I just I yeah. click. 
I buy it, and then I say, this will be Christmas 2024. <laughs> I can't wait. So yeah. I'm excited that it'd be sooner. But I was talking, like, this might be one that I end up buying twice, like once digitally to get my hands on it. And I, you know, being the collector like Steve, I like to have my little physical piece to put on the shelf, too. So, um, yeah, what a great time to be a Turtles fan. It only took us, what, 30 years to finally get back? That's great. I know, right? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I was off by a month. It's uh, the date that I have my pre-order. I'm actually getting it on Switch, and I don't own a Switch yet. <laughs> but uh, it's uh, August 31st, not July 31st. Gotcha. Great. Awesome. Looking forward to that. Uh, yeah. Well, what no one should ever be looking forward to is a night with the game Athena on the NES. Uh, just a bunch of dog's ass. Um, not great, not fun. Now, Steve, I know you're you love the jank. I mean, when oh, yeah. I think when I see the word jank, I picture your sweet face. <laughs> but this might be this might be too janky. You know, how some people like a little bit of salt. Uh, this is way too salty. If if jank were salt in that metaphor, it's no good. Uh, it, it's, it's not funny at all. Because I usually say that you know, <laughs> there's a there's a lot of ground for a game to be good, and then there's a surprisingly large amount of ground for a game to be like so janky that it's fun. It's really just that middle ground of like kind of boring or kind of like janky but not in any sort of exploitable way it is not fun janky it it came out i think if you wanted to give it like one plus or like one bit of credit it's that it was uh, an arcade port to the nes in 1986 which is pretty early uh for nes games and so it's like maybe they were just still figuring it out down there you know maybe they were just taking a chance it's it lures you in. I think that's the thing I don't like about it is that it looks like it should be good. Mm. Everything from the box art to the idea to the theme to what the mechanics should be. But it's when you and even in the video, I think somebody could watch the video and be like, "It doesn't look that bad, you big whiny baby." <laughs> but you get your hands on it for five minutes and tell me you're not like, "All right, okay, I'm out of here." That was my experience. Oh, what? Well, what's? I mean, what makes it so so janky? What are they doing that's upsetting you? Well, uh, there's this jump mechanic where every other time you press jump, you jump a different height. Uh, so that leads to basically no confidence when you're jumping because you don't know how far you're going to jump. <laughs> uh, there's also an egregious amount of dead ends in a side-scrolling platformer. Oh, and you can't go yeah. back. And so there's these areas where you can fall into a hole like in Mario and you're like, oh, I died. I'll just start the level over. But in Athena, it's like, no, nope, there's just more level down here. But it may also be a 10 minute loss for you because by the time you fight your way to the end of wherever you fell, you can't go backward. Cause you were in a, you were in a dead end cave. Uh, mm -hmm. A game that wastes your time that egregiously is the bad, the wrong kind of jank. I know. Yeah. I know. And it has some things like, you're like, Oh, this was a good idea. I wish they would have done that a little bit better, but they have like, you know, you power up weapons and that kind of thing. Like it has some, some neat little ideas that not a lot of NES games had in 1986. Because uh, at that point, you're just coming off a lot of black box arcade ports that are very simplistic. And so this seems like it would have been fun. And this is why this game is everywhere. Everyone has a copy of Athena. It's it's very common. At least I think it is. Um, but I'm sure everyone that had it uh, still to this day, very disappointed. And I was so happy. Normally, if you and I'm, I'm sure Alex can attest to this, but if there's a lot of games that are that come into your life already highly scrutinized and hated 
Like Bill Com- Bill Lambier's Combat Basketball. Ain't nobody liking that game. Alex could do a video on that game, be like, this game is dog shit, and everyone's like, amen, brother. But then <laughs> you pick something like Athena that's like middle of the road, like, I've never heard anybody talk about this game. If I go in and be like, this game is, is trash, somebody's coming out of the woodwork to defend it and being like, you know what? My grandma had this game. We played it together. It's not that bad. You just have to suffer with it for, for a few years until you get to... <laughs> Literally every comment I had was like, Fuck this game, hundred uh, percent. And I was so oh, happy. Oh, that's to see good. It. By the way, I, I hate that argument. By the way, it's like you just need to let it brainwash you over a twenty-four hour <laughs> period, and and then it's great. Like, just get out of here with that. Every game was good when you were five years old, and you were just happy to have a controller in your hand. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And I'm I'm pretty forgiving on most games, but I can't let Athena off the hook. It's it's no fun, folks. Don't fall for the cover. Don't fall for it. It looks like it'd be fun. It's not very fun. Did you know that during her various tomb raids, Laura Croft often contracts the services of a perverted Sherpa named Greg? Did you know that Gordon Freeman actually does talk? And once you hear his voice, you'll realize why the Half-Life game developers refuse to write any lines for him. Video games aren't always great at telling compelling stories. That's where the podcast Tales of the Lesser Medium comes in. Each season, me and my co-host Travis, we drive you through gaming's most absurd narratives, picking up every rejected character and hitting every plot hole along the way. Search Tales of the Lesser Medium on your podcast app of choice and get ready to laugh at your favorite video games with me, Travis, Greg the Pervert, Annoying Gordon Freeman, Barry, the Resident Evil Gun Dumper, and so many more wacky characters. Tales of the Lesser Medium. Steve, I want to just just ask you some questions, man, because, uh, you know, this is Drunk Friend, and uh, I wanted you on, we wanted you on here because you're a good guy, and you do cool stuff, oh. but also, you know, the Drunk Friend's fairly big platform for the Polymedia Network. I think folks should know about this sweet, sweet streaming that you're doing over there. Mm. When I pop over there, I see, I, I see like 10 to 20 people, I mean, why doesn't this guy have 200, why isn't he the next Pete Dorr? You're basically Pete Dorr with a headband. You're playing the janky games. You're laid back. You got tons of knowledge. You're fun. You're uplifting. So I just wanted to shout that out and let you uh, maybe tell us all about this stream. What what goes on there? When it happens? What got you started? Yeah, uh, I guess I'll, what got me started. I started two years ago. In fact, the last stream I did before talking to you was a very long twelve hour anniversary stream. But I was just sitting at home one day this was like you know it would have been june 2020 so we're early-ish in like pandemic times and the world was just a stressful place all in all and i was like yeah i want to do something to cheer myself up and i kind of feel like just streaming it in case i can cheer anybody else up so i decided i wanted to play a very comfy game so i popped in dark cloud on the ps2 wonderful choice see another pete dorism (laughs) you're basically the same guy i always loved dark cloud so (laughs) pop that in and i was like i'll just stream it and then at that point i was like that was pretty fun you know some friends showed up and we chatted and i enjoyed it and i basically just set out to say like i wonder if i can consistently do this as mostly as a challenge to myself can i consistently pick a handful of days a week and and start streaming and very quickly uh as with probably anything you do i imagine it's very similar for the two of you when you started making youtube videos where it's like you learn about a lot of other people that are streaming that are doing very similar things. You get to know and meet a lot of people, and it just kind of became a, a much more fun kind of community-ish part of my life. So it became very quickly something that I look forward to doing. Well, not only that, but it led to uh, you I, you were a listener of a certain podcast called Polykill. 
And you you ended up uh, replacing one of the hosts. Like, what is it like? What's your experience been like to to go from you know just a, a regular listener and streaming guy, and you know you're just kind of getting started with that, and then all of a sudden you're a co-host with with a the seasoned vet like Trav <laughs> on an already established podcast. Oh, come on. I mean, it's funny. That's got to be intimidating. I think if you went back to our conversation history when Trav reached out, he's like, "Hey, man, I've been, I've been, I've been peeping that face on that stream. It's a good face. I, I'm, I'm enjoying what I'm seeing. Mm. I want you to come on this podcast with me." I think my literal response to him was, I, "I'm just a regular dude. I'm just a regular <laughs> human man. You don't. That's you'll be better. Off. Good luck on your future endeavors. Thanks, Trav." But uh, in the end, he twisted my arm, and I ended up joining in and it's I, it, the, the the entire polymedia family of shows and all the like regular listeners and everything are all very wonderful people so that has been nice just to get to know so many of them on the discord and stuff like that and it has only uh it just goes back to what i was saying where it's only like furthered my desire to keep streaming because there's now uh folks that regularly listen to this show to polykill and are regulars in the stream and it's just kind of like you can see them uh, wherever you go it is nice to see the the people come from different corners of what we do and come yeah. together and be buddies and you, you like you kind of feel a bit responsible for their friendship like you wouldn't take credit for it. you wouldn't be like i was the matchmaker and this is why you two were now hanging out with each other without me involved but it is kind of a nice warm fuzzy feeling to see that uh see a community grow based around i want to say it a bunch of podcasts that have tons of dick jokes in them and an enormous <laughs> uh, just an egregious amount of bad humor uh, but we were able to, to pull together a good community and um i think your i mean your streaming is what won me over because hmm. And it wasn't, it's not that you were our first patron. Uh, I don't know that oh, you wow. were. I don't know that you knew that, but you were. I had no idea. Within minutes, we set it up. And Jake and I, uh, this was back when Jake still cared. Uh, Jake said, um, I, you know, because we even talked, we're like, should we even set one up? We're too small, man. Nobody's going to do this. He's like, I just try it. Let's just do it. We got a few people that might that might jump in. And it was never really about, you know, money or anything. It was just like, let's just set this up and see what happens. We make content. Let's see what happens. Within like five minutes, we get, uh, it says, Steve has joined as your patron. And you sent a message that was like a dream come true. You said something kind of sarcastic, like, this I mean, it's dream come true. I'm a popular kid now. I'm, you know, whatever. And uh, I was like, Jay, who the fuck is Steve, man? Do you know Steve? He's like, I don't know. There was a Steve that listened to it. We don't have that many listeners. I, I thought I knew them all. It's like, no, no way. So, and I didn't, I never talked to you then. I didn't really know who you were. <clears throat> so like a whole year goes by, you drop in our self-promotion area of our Discord and you say, hey man, I'm out here streaming some games. I was like, let's check on this weirdo. This guy who lo <laughs> lo loves us so much, he's the first patron and then never interacts with us ever again. And I was like, wow, this guy's pretty good. He's got me, he's got me chuckling. He's well-spoken. Playing some of these, pl playing Dark Cloud, which won me over immediately. So I mean, you had a lot going for you there, but yeah, <clears throat> I think um, I think asking you to step into a, a, the middle of a podcast that had almost two hundred episodes. I mean, good good on you for for jumping in there, man. Because I think I think it's been really solid since it's it's on honestly a, almost a different show in flavor, but still yeah. still plugging along. So I appreciate it. I think a lot of people think that way too. Uh, I mean, and everyone wants to joke around and make their 
their ranked list of best polykill hosts, one, two, and three. <laughs> and, we, and, we, and we all know what that looks like. I don't need to do it for you live on air. We know what that looks like. You rose to the top quick. But I, I always do tell people that, especially when I'm recommending the show, because, you know, uh, as is natural in life when folks that I know through other avenues and stuff hear about the show and they're like, oh, my God, you're on a podcast? And I'm like, yes, go back. If you want to listen to the history, I do encourage you to go back and check out season one, but just know that season one is like essentially one, it has no me, and two, it's like a very a little bit of a different vibe. You're gonna get different types of games, you're gonna get a different sense of humor, you're gonna get all sorts of different stuff. The only constant is is Trav. Which is unfortunate for unfortunately. a lot of folks. Yeah. yeah. No, I, <laughs> I beat you to that one. Uh, I, yes. got I got it. Uh but yeah, so so you're doing that one, but you you have the other podcast too. So you didn't stop there. Not uh, not I think a week within my proposal, you and our pal uh, and and Alex, God forbid, can't say the guy's name, Josh Leslie. Josh uh, Leslie, tough to say. <laughs> Josh Leslie, Josh Leslie. Yeah, I'll get it one day. <laughs> You'll get it one day. And uh, and more more recently, our pal Captain Drachma, who's responsible for getting a ton of our guests uh, on the yep. show. You guys are now a trifecta doing the IndieQuest podcast. Tell us all about that IndieQuest. Yeah, so the, we spun up the idea of just wanting to shine a little bit more light and talk about some of the indie games that we've been playing. I, I've i always been playing like a wide variety of games. In fact, that's what originally drew me to Polykill is that it's very easy to find shows and YouTube channels that talk about either modern or specifically retro games, but very few shows tend to talk about both. And uh, I was excited to sort of like be around other folks that were doing that same type of thing. But one of the things that was a little bit underserved is that when modern stuff got talked about, it felt like it was usually mostly triple A's, you know, your your fars cry and whatnot, and not as much love for the indie video games. And so uh, just as an opportunity to, you know, talk those up a little bit and as a good opportunity for myself to play more of those, we started up a podcast called Indie Quest. And in every episode, we dive into usually uh, two or three different indie games. We give you kind of an overview of it and you know what type of game it is how it plays and then we slot it onto what we call the quest log which is really a very arbitrary rating mechanism of is this game very good or very very good because we <laughs> we we have kind of a standing rule that we don't bring games to the show that we don't already enjoy so if, if, as soon as we start talking about it you know it's a recommendation you know it's something that we have thought was worth checking out and then it's just kind of a arbitrary way to sort our thoughts at the end of the show but that's it's already curated in yeah. other words so and, that makes it you know it's it's uh you respect the viewer's time <laughs> in that sense you're not going to spend a lot of time talking about athena yeah well, thank god well, well, well i don't know if i'm respecting anyone's time because i definitely have a reputation of just liking basically every video game like i'm often <laughs> critiqued for having no taste and maybe that's why i enjoy janky games too but i do I do try to bring the indie picks that I think other folks will will connect with in some way. What's the most recent one that stuck out to you that uh, was a, a a good time? Or, or else I'll ask, uh, what was the one that surprised you? Like maybe you didn't think you'd like it as much as you did and it ended up being really good. Hmm, recent indie game. Easy one. Hmm. So we just recently had on the developer of a game, speaking of our buddy Captain Drachma, uh, oh, he, that's right. He yeah. nudged me in the direction of a game called Archvale, which uh, he, yes. 
to be honest, he had recommended me before. And as I often do, I was like, yeah, yeah, that's that's nice. Thank you for the recommendation. I'm going to go back to playing what I want to now. Uh, <laughs> but but he managed to get the developer on so we could bring him in and interview him. And so I was like, all right, well, I guess I probably should play this this guy's game if I'm going to end up actually talking to him. And man, that turned out to be such a fun game. It's like a yeah, it has a lot of the aesthetic trappings of The Legend of Zelda, but is in reality kind of a twin stick shooter meets bullet hell shoot 'em up kind of game with some RPG leveling mechanics. It's like a a, a mishmash of a bunch of different genres, but I I from like the key art and stuff, I was like, I think I'll like this. I think it'll be fun, but I don't know that I'm going to like it as much as Drachma did. And then I got like obsessed with it. I ended up doing everything, unlocking all the achievements and everything. I like burned through that game and it ended up being just a blast. Yeah, it's very much a Drachma game. It's uh, because it's a lot like uh, Enter the Gungeon. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a lot of dodging. There's a lot of there's there's thousands of bullets on screen at once um that sort of thing so yeah i'm not surprised i i that's cool to hear though because that one is on my wish list so uh i do need to pick that one up yeah very fun and uh, i think if anyone out there does like enter the gungeon this is similar but it's also not a roguelike even though it looks like one it is like an actual Mm. a to b beginning to end kind of game which i i mean i don't dislike roguelikes but i tend to prefer uh like just a more naturally built yeah. game so it's it, it don't get deceived by it as if you look up video and it looks like it would be a roguelike it's not right on the interview was great too you guys did a really good job with that i'm i'm not going to say it's the the to the credit of the guests that it just so happened to be your best episode and that the three of you alone are terrible <laughs> but it, it, it did end up being a great uh, a great episode in the indie quest uh, catalog are you guys looking forward to doing potentially some more interviews with indie developers now that the only one you've got under the belt ended up being a home run other than you interviewed the guy that made lock as well and, and we we interviewed a guy for a game that has yet to come out called whisker squadron once in the past before too he's also the developer of an indie game called race the sun if folks are familiar with that but mm. yeah uh i mean no no names to announce but we definitely want to bring on more developers and talk to them it's always Especially in the case of uh, IDOS, who's the developer we brought on, it's always a good time when they're so enthusiastic and passionate and just excited to share their game. But uh, that, that won't end up being every episode. We do a nice mix, right? Sometimes we do those traditional episodes I talked about. Sometimes we have a developer interview. Sometimes we do like a music-themed episode where we're basically just doing like a low-key radio show introducing uh, music tracks from indie games. So we, we try to mix it up. Yeah, it's very well done. Good job out there. All right. I think that's enough uh, exalting. I think everybody gets it. You're a pretty cool guy. They should check out your streams. Definitely check out all your podcasts, especially the ones that I'm on. Uh, Polykill will be that one. <laughs> um, and they should recognize your voice. You've been piped into this podcast a few times over the last uh, year or so with the with the promos for, for Polykill. So you should at least sound familiar to some folks um, if they didn't listen to Polykill. So let's move on to some emails. And the one one right out of the gate here is uh, I want to say it's pretty intense, pretty intense email here. Uh, this is it says question for the podcast. Just a real simple title kind of lures you in that it's going to just be a real simple question. Um, guess what? It's not. This is from Reagan. And say howdy, Nest friend and Snest drunk. And they would have said you too. They would have said blink, but they they didn't know. <laughs> Aww. Yeah, they say, uh, I occasionally listen to you folks while on long road trips or coding for work, and I've been enjoying the show ever since I started listening back in 2020. 
I would give a long paragraph of thanks, appreciation, and admiration for your content, but I wouldn't want it to seem like I'm trying to butter y'all's biscuits or anything. Which, by the way, Reagan, totally fine to do. Please go ahead. Do yeah, that. yeah. I yeah. like I like a lot of butter, on, especially on biscuits. <laughs> Please, I mean, even if you if you just want to put it in parentheses and say, "Hey, this is this is uh, all of my my buttered biscuits," uh, you don't have to read this out. I'll on the give show. you my address, and if you give me some homemade, bi- I love homemade biscuits and butter. Oh, you're talking real butter bit. Yeah, that's. I don't oh know. yes, that's what I'm talking about. Gotcha. I don't know if those will FedEx well. Give but me do food. Try it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> anyway, back to the email here. Uh, Reagan says, "Just know you two are wonderful and make fun and informative content. Thank you so much." Uh, They say, I have one question I'd like to hear y'all's thoughts on. I recently got into Commodore 64 software and games by buying the C64 Mini. Wish I could have gotten a Maxi with the full keyboard, but that's not on sale anywhere in North America. And installed an IDE for developing programs for Commodore computers called CBM PRG Studio. Okay. I'm having a blast playing games that were popular a decade before I was born and learning how they worked. Helps make programming fun again for me as a web developer. What are your experiences with Commodore 64 games and retro PC gaming in general? And they close out the email here with, I originally had two questions but wanted to stay light for this email in case you have an episode topic you want to spend more time on. Perhaps I'll send another question your way soon. Happy podcasting and happy gaming. Reagan, a.k.a. Remnant Cult. And thank you, Reagan, for the, the kind email. And feel free to load those emails up with questions. We won't slow down. We'll pass it around here. Uh, Alex, do you have... Any experience with the Commodore 64? Kind of in a roundabout way. Um, one of my favorite uh, kinds of videos to do, uh, are I titled them uh, Good Games in Unexpected Places. Um, and by that, I mean like just games that you wouldn't expect, especially the types of games that you wouldn't expect in, on like Atari Lynx, uh, Panasonic 3DO, uh, the Amiga, the Atari ST. So I put the Commodore 64 kind of in that category. I know the Amiga and Atari ST are a bit more uh, advanced than the Commodore. So I don't have too much with the Commodore itself. But in terms of like retro PC gaming, um, it's it's stuff like that. Um, by the way, any any sort of mention of the Amiga or the ZX Spectrum or any of that stuff that was popular overseas will get you will earn you a deluge of comments from those people <laughs> and lots of well actually the, the amiga version is much better than you know, the amiga fans are insane yeah. like they, that, that is one of the most random things i learned about this whole youtube channel experience but uh yeah i remember there's a game called rough and tumble on amiga that is surprise it's like a contra st- style game and it's it's actually like wow i'll be damned this is pretty damn good and so there, there's stuff like that that pops up every once in a while. Um, I do remember there was... I have to look it up. Um, I've got it pulled up here. Below the Root is what it's called. It's one... I, it, it, it's hard to describe, but um, it's kind of an adventure game, a side-scrolling adventure game. Um, it's very Commodore. I don't remember a whole lot about it off the top of my head. I just remember the name, and I remember really being surprised by it. Oh, I'm looking it at was, it now. It um, looks like it looks like a first grader tried to draw Rambo from NES. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also looking it up in the the box art for uh, I don't know which version this is. If it's the American Amiga version or what, but 
it looks like the cover of a Tolkien novel. Like I was going to say the is, exact if thing. If this is yes. Fellowship of the Ring, I would believe you. So, oh yeah, it's it's got that snooty looking font, <laughs> yeah. and every, everything is bracketed, and there's like a fancy border and the yeah. fantasy artwork and stuff like that. Yeah, that's pretty much. And then you play the game, and it looks like a like Trav said, a first grader tried to draw. <laughs> Rambo. So yeah, the 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 art the artwork on the cover is is definitely doing the heavy lifting there. But um, it's a really it's it's a surprisingly good game. It's uh, I'd have to revisit it to like actually talk about it, but I just remember liking it. Interesting. Uh, Steve, Commodore sixty four history or uh, what's your retro PC gaming experience? Uh, I don't think I've ever laid hands on a Commodore 64, an Amiga, any of those like computer console hybrids that people have affinity for. I think the earliest thing I've ever played is an Atari 2600. So I don't, I don't mm. know that I'm the one for you here. My my earliest PC memories are things like Doom and like the original StarCraft. So I was a late bloomer on PC. I am in the same boat with you. I've I've even tried. To, so my my issue with the the Commodore sixty four. Granted, I understand that it's it's uh, it had its its heyday, and and certainly um, there's no shortage of games on that damn system. Everything in the world was ported to the Commodore sixty four. I found by doing my NES research, uh, everything has a Commodore. Everything has a <laughs> Commodore sixty four. Um, so there's like five thousand games for it, but. I've tried to like emulate some, like using like a Mister or just trying. And I, I, it's not a good sign when even in emulation, I can't figure out how to get a game to start. And so <laughs> I'm also not the person for C64. I'm like, I'm waiting. Why do I have to wait when it's emulated? Just boot on up. A lot of that stuff you can play on like archive.org uh, and just to- use key- keyboard, mouse, not even mouse, just keyboard. So I need to do it. The, the emulation on that site is pretty good good to know yeah man because uh i I, again i understand there were steps involved but gosh dang Mm. it's layers just to get into a game and and then you get into the game you're like oh this is my reward this game okay all right yeah (laughs) um but i do love the box art for the commodore 64 they like you said did a lot of the heavy lifting back then um all right i guess that so i got this next email there yeah go for it uh we got uh michael wilbon i mean wilson Mm. Saying, question, remote, work remote or work in office? Hey, guys, thanks for reading this email. If you had to choose between working remote or going to an office for the rest of your work life, which would you choose? I know there's benefits to having the option for both, but I wanted to make this question tricky. Thank you, Mike Will, I mean, Wilson. Mm-hmm. And uh, I recently made this choice. I work from home. Uh, I don't uh, go into the office like at all anymore. I mean, I haven't. In fact, I might have to go tomorrow, but uh, funny this email gets brought up now. But uh, (laughs) yeah, it's I would much rather work at home just because I like having my dogs around. Mm -hmm. Um, I like being able to get up from my desk and just walk down to the kitchen and make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And um, instead of like, you know, being bored at work in the office and having to spend like a dollar fifty on a bag of chips from the vending machine Mm -hmm. like that, that's uh, advantage number one right there. Uh, Number two is it's just more comfortable. I feel like I'm trapped at my desk if I'm if I'm working in the office. I don't know about you guys. 
Because it's like, okay, if I get up, I'm going to run into the Cowboys fan and he's going to like <laughs> breathlessly tell me about their freaking sixth string wide receiver. <laughs> then I'm going to run into this person and they're going to ask me about, I don't know, gardening or something. <laughs> and it just it's just like, I just want to, you know, get to the bathroom, please. Can, can you just let me go? But yeah. Now, the people I work with are very nice, but um, I, I just don't. I, I would rather stick to work stuff with those people. But yeah, uh, I, I work from home. What about you guys? Oh, well, I was going to say it's it's probably easier to uh, chip away at some SNES drunk content when uh, you, you don't yes, you don't feel like that's you have people knows. Yeah, I, I understand that completely. Uh, I also now work uh, 100% remote. I don't even currently I don't even have the option for an office because my current company is 100% online. Um, I am getting a new job next month, and uh, that one will also be 100% remote. Although I think they have, they have an office, but it's nowhere near me, so I'm not expected to go to go in. Um, but I, there are a couple things I do miss about having an office. One is that, uh, and I guess it, it just depends on the way your home is laid out. But um, I, I do kind of feel trapped in this room. This is where I podcast, and I work here all day, and it's my personal PC, so if I wanted to play PC games, I'm in here. So I spend a lot of time in one room and don't get up, so I kind of feel like I'm melting into the carpet in here a little bit. So at least yeah. having an yeah. office, I got fresh air sometimes. There were days in, earlier this year, I realized, or like weeks, so I was like, man, it's Thursday. I haven't gone outside since four, this was, uh, Saturday? <laughs> Holy shit. So, um, And Alex has dogs, so he has to go outside sometimes, I guess, but... Uh, us cat people, we don't got to do it, you know? So, <laughs> so I never had to worry about it. But So now I have to make a conscious effort to remind myself to actually go get fresh air, which is new and different. When I had an office and commuted to work, uh, the place where I used to go run was close to where I work. There's nowhere near where I live, and so I actually exercise less when I'm at home. It's not as easy of a commute just to, to go do it. So there's some adjustments that I didn't realize, or some sacrifices I didn't realize I'd have to make. Uh, to do it, but overall, I like it better. I save a ton of money on gas. Gas prices aren't great right now. Uh, I save a ton of money on food. Uh, I save a ton of money on soap. I'm only showering once every two weeks, tops. Uh, <laughs> I just wear a hat mainly and smell bad. So I mean, there's some pluses. There are some pluses. I wear pajama pants like all day, every day. Right there, you go. Uh, yeah. I was gonna ask before I give you my answer. How long did the two of you go? like uh, pretending like you had to care about your appearance like uh, wearing work adjacent clothing before you just finally gave it up and you're like no it's just hell no pajama pants and a metallica (laughs) (laughs) t-shirt i do not care i yeah i i mean i i'll clean up if i have to you know that's that's fine in fact uh i I just did the other day i'm I'm so proud of myself (laughs) for doing that wore a collared shirt and everything but um yeah it's uh but yeah what 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 i like the best is that i don't have to be in a hurry in the morning Oh yeah. Like yes. I can just make my coffee. I can, you know, I go outside and water the the plants. I uh I can just take it easy. I'm not rushing through this morning routine where I have to, you know, get rid of my neck beard, yeah, you know, uh do all this other like clean, you know, stuff and I can just be a slob and be at my desk. Like that's that's cool. But um, no, it's it's okay to be a slob sometimes. It's not okay to stay a slob, in my in my opinion. I do think you need to get your ass in the shower, Trav. <laughs> <laughs> I was joking. I showered. What day is it? 
Yeah, I showered. <laughs> I showered. Not, not, not too many <laughs> Like Lebowski when he's <laughs> he first meets Mr. Lebowski. Is this what day is it? Uh, yeah. You out looking for a job with clothes like that on a weekday? Is this is this a weekday? What day is it? <laughs> yeah, pretty yeah. much. Anyway, pretty much. Uh, Steve, what what's uh, what are your thoughts? Uh, I I think I'm in line generally. I I prefer working from home over going into the office by a pretty wide margin. The biggest thing for me is getting the like two hours of my life back. The not driving an hour there in traffic Ugh. and then an hour back in traffic. Like when I look back on that and I'm like. My, my days used to feel so much shorter because yeah. so much time was spent traveling and yeah. then you, you get home and then you kind of have to like right away you have to start thinking about and making dinner and then by the time you get all that wrapped down you're like well i've got like two hours to do something before i should really get to bed so i can wake up to do the commute again so i i very much prefer working from home even though like you said trav i run into the same type of issue where uh, I, I work out of this room and then I also stream out of this room. So there are like, there are some days where if I don't consciously make the decision, I'll sit in the same chair and compress my spine for 17 hours in a row, only stopping to like run upstairs and heat up some leftovers or something. But I, I, that said, I wouldn't trade at all going back to the office because the only real thing I miss about going in is, um, so I work at the university or at a university and they have a very like spread out campus and so when i would need to go to meetings and meet with other people a lot of times that meant walking across campus which would be like a 15 minute nice sunny walk in like a beautiful well-maintained campus which was like a nice little mental reset and just like a good opportunity to get paid for relaxing for a little bit and then now that's gone in these days depending on the day and the circumstance it can be like zoom call to zoom call to zoom call without mm-hmm. even enough time to run to the bathroom yep that's a good point one thing one thing that changed with our meeting cultures are that uh everything kind of is expected to be very on time they, the start and end times for a zoom call are expected you're supposed to be there the whole time there's no like hey i gotta uh, i gotta be at a meeting elsewhere i gotta leave this early it's like no we know you're in your house you got nowhere to go you just sit right there yeah <laughs> <laughs> just sit down and listen yeah. to us talk <laughs> The car point is excellent. Yeah, that that is a big deal, uh, especially with how terrible people drive in Albuquerque because there's not as much traffic here, so people have that much more space to drive diagonally down the highway. <laughs> you know, seventy-eight <laughs> miles an hour in a forty-five zone. So it's um, I don't miss that at all. And plus, it's a lot less wear and tear in your car, so you're saving tons of money. You're not paying fifty bucks for gas and. Yeah, it's uh, that. That's a huge part of it too. Yeah, I think there's also a, a weird psychological thing uh, for me. I don't know if this is true for everyone, but you know, when I did work in an office, I mean, if you have an office job where you're at a computer a lot of the time, there are times where you're going to be doing a little bit of goofing, right? You're going to be looking at YouTube for a minute, taking a break, doom scroll through Twitter or Reddit or whatever, maybe even write up a little script for your video projects and and whatever else. For some reason, though, when I was in my office, I felt less guilty about it because I'm like, I'm here. If people need me, I'm here, and I've been I'm I'm visibly doing other work on this other monitor. I'm just taking a little break. But when I'm at home and I do a little bit of goofing, I feel more guilty because it's like, it, well, it less so now, but very early in the pandemic when I was getting used to it, it was like I assumed they thought because I was home I was just dicking around, and I wanted to to not ever let that show. 
right? Just mm-hmm. being like very jotty on the spot and like, no, 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 I was, I've, I've been working all day long. I wasn't. I didn't one time watch four SNES trunks in a row. It didn't happen here, no sir. <laughs> so th- that's a weird thing because um, you do have to take breaks, and it's you know this this network wouldn't stand if I couldn't do some shit during my work day. I mean that goes without saying. So uh, there is a little bit of like mm, I don't know if I don't know how this is going to fly at the new job. It'll be fine. I'll be at home. No one can see what I'm doing. But there is this yeah. little little yeah. thing on my shoulder that's like, you, you should at least open up an Excel sheet and then close it again. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, as long as I have my email up on one monitor, so I can be like, well, what I'm doing is I'm actively monitoring for any you know new pressing emails that come in. Then I don't mind you know if YouTube happens to find its way up on the second monitor, so be it. That's right. I mean, I I have to rationalize that too. It's it's like I'm doing my job really well. It's okay. I, yeah. I should reward myself with a little bit of goofing, but you know, there's always that overachiever in all of us, I guess. The Zoom stuff has made things a lot more efficient, but that first <laughs> first six months uh, of the pandemic uh, on, on quarantine, when uh, you you had let's just say older folks trying to struggle to figure out Zoom. And I was in there day one. I was like, all right, I'm ready to roll. I'm ready to do my job. I've got everything ready to rock and roll like day one. Like freaking three months go by and it's Alex, do you think you could help out such and such with (laughs) getting connected to Microsoft Teams? I was like, really? But yeah, it's but ever since that speed bump got out of the way, um, it feels like everything is a lot more efficient, like we're getting through meetings faster. We're mm-hmm. we're getting work done like a thousand times, at, at least to me, uh, with yeah. my job. So I appreciate that part of it too. It blows yes. my mind. Um, Leah, my partner, she also works at the at the U, and she's a trainer. And one of the things that she's responsible for training people on is Zoom. And you'd think that, you know, two years into the remote work life, that there would be no real need for that anymore. But still, consistently. She regularly yeah. gets people that are showing up for Zoom trainings. And these aren't like new people that came from an in-office job. They're Somehow these are people that have worked at the organization for five, six years. And they're like, all right, now, two years in, I'm I'm finally going to learn how to use Zoom. Now's my moment. <laughs> <laughs> Strike while the iron's tepid. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we have uh, we have one more email here, and uh, this one I'm a little nervous about because this is this might be a, a mommy's mad at daddy situation mm. for me because I know you guys come from different branches of the tree when it comes to Chrono Cross, uh, and now we, I know mm. you're both big big fans of Chrono Trigger, so we should we should hug over that. We should take a little bit time yeah. to hug there, yeah, and then yeah. and then. But I know you have disparate uh, disparate opinions on Chrono Cross. So here's our uh, second email from uh, Michael Wilbon. I'm sorry, Mike Wilson. Uh, Chrono Cross Remaster is the title of the email. He says, "Howdy, I know Alex is really into Chrono Trigger, but I can't remember off the top of my head what he thinks about Chrono Cross. I recently downloaded the game on my PS4, and the worst thing I have to say about it is the slowdown I've been ex- experiencing when I'm in battles or areas with lots of sprites. Unfortunately, that's most of the game, but I don't think it's a deal breaker because the remaster still has a lot to offer. If either of you have played the remaster, I'm eager to know your thoughts. Also." Are you drinking anything right now? I want to know. Thanks for reading, guys. Mike. And Mike, I'm my basement is hot as hell. I'm drinking ice cold water. I'm just trying to stay alive down here. And I've also not played Chrono Cross. So now I'm going to let the other two folks take it from here. 
go ahead. Go ahead. I, I, I'm Alex. I'm curious to hear state your case. Why? How, why do you feel the way that you do? <laughs> um, it was uh, advertised as a sequel to Chrono Trigger. It even says on the very back of the case, the long-awaited, much-anticipated sequel, or however it's phrased. I think as a sequel, I don't think it's very good at all, because first of all, there's like 4,000 characters, and I don't care about any of them except for, I don't know, maybe two. And even the two that are there aren't all that. I don't think Surge is all that interesting. I don't think Kid. Kid is just annoying. Um, I don't even remember most of the other people. Uh, I remember the painting kid, Van. Uh, <laughs> I don't even remember most of the Um I don't think it's a bad game, though. Uh, there's... The soundtrack is incredible, for one thing, um, and I like how the music does allude to the original game, but I spent the whole time playing it like, okay, when does this tie into Chrono Trigger? When does it happen? When does it happen? And when it happens, it's like, huh, that's the most limp dick thing I've ever seen. Like, that, like, that doesn't do anything <laughs> for me. So uh, I didn't like how it tied in with the game, and I didn't like how you had to play the game for like 25 hours in order to get to that point. So, yeah, I, and I just got really, I remember getting really impatient with, like, how vague everything was. Like, it was one of those games where it was, could have been written a little better. Just, like, just tell me where the hell to go. Like, what is this, like, like a badly translated mm. NES game? Like, come on. But, um, no, I, I do think the battle system is pretty interesting. Um, the game looks great, sounds great. Um... I think, if I remember correctly, is that the game where you have to allocate a spot on your little element system for, just for items? Is that Chrono Cross that yeah. does that? Because that really annoyed the hell out of me, too. <laughs> yeah, consumable but, items. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And when it, but when it comes to, like, PS1 RPGs, uh, I, I would rather go with, you know, Grandia, um, Lunar... Uh, I can't remember. Uh, Wild Arms is pretty cool. Xenogears is pretty cool. Uh, it's further down the list for me. But and as a Chrono Trigger sequel, it falls totally flat. All right, we've we've heard from we've heard from Alex, Steve. <laughs> um, I I don't know that I have anything to refute there. Uh, when I played Chrono Cross for the first time. I was like a little bit late to discovering RPGs. I didn't, I mean, I'm, I'm of the right age where my first RPG that really got me into RPGs was Final Fantasy VII, but I didn't play Final Fantasy VII until Final Fantasies eight and nine and Chrono Cross and everything had already come out. And so when I did, I was like, Ooh, I'm kind of liking this turn-based RPG thing. And so I basically from that point consumed every PS1 RPG I could and every went back and downloaded like SNES 9X and played all the Super Nintendo RPGs I could all in one fell swoop. And so I did play Chrono Cross after Chrono Trigger, but I don't really have any expectation or I didn't have any hype about it being a sequel when I played it. So mm, I was just okay. sort of like appreciating it as a standalone RPG. And it is it is now one of my like all-time favorite RPGs. I think it does so much like the I think the soundtrack is incredible. I, I think you couldn't find anyone out there who would disagree that the soundtrack is amazing. It looks it's some of the really best good. video game music ever. Yeah, truly. It it looks incredible. It's like they that kind of like late PS1 where they had like really refined and figured out how to work the system. I think Chrono Cross and Final Fantasy 9 are the two 
RPGs that are like yes. sort of like the, the best that the PS1 can give you. And I appreciated that a lot of the like setting was different. It wasn't quite as like not that I have a problem. I actually enjoy medieval type settings, but it was just yeah, it felt a little yeah. different, a little more tropical and Yeah. Yeah. Was, I, that's a great point. I would give it I'll definitely give the game tons of props for that. Um in that it looks and feel the the settings are much different than uh any other game uh kind of like skies of arcadia where it, it does like this big sky yes. pirate motif and it's like there's no other game that does or at least no other game at that time that does that yeah chrono cross definitely has a totally different vibe going for it but so yeah big time props for that for sure yeah and then and you know they do very interesting things with the battle system too i you know i, I don't really have an opinion either way on setting the items but i liked the fact that there was like multiple levels of attacks with different accuracies that you could choose from and those played into what magic you could cast and then the like stamina system they had meant that there was kind of a risk reward mm. between do i want to do a bunch yes. of attacks and magic now but then i'll be out for a little bit longer um and, yeah and I, I did really like, like that the way... i do remember liking that yeah and it lets you then um like set magics sort of outside of their expected power level to still get some utility out of like earlier level spells, which is cool. And the leveling system I thought was really cool. The way that it like bosses define your level. And so you're never really needing to grind. You're sort of like yeah. always on uh, like natural progression because they've spaced out the bosses in a certain way. And you can do like a little grinding to like really min max your stats in some cases, but you never hit that point where you got to just like farm the same monster for three hours, you're always sort of on the, <laughs> the path forward. It's well balanced. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's not yeah. a bad game at all. It's it's uh, just, I think it's just a bad sequel. But I, I can see where you're coming from in that, especially if you started with Final Fantasy and, you know, you, you think about how all the Final Fantasies are, are disconnected. They're their own things just mm -hmm. in sequel in name only maybe that was the same thing with chrono cross to chrono trigger and yeah. it's just the chrono series and that's just what we're going for but i went into it i guess it all it boils down to like expectations going into it for me because i was expecting a sequel and i'm just like what yeah. the hell what's this cat dude what is all this so um <laughs> yeah it's uh it, I, I, it's not a game I w i'm gonna go back to anytime soon but yeah Oh, I, I definitely will. And they asked about the the remaster. I I have played like fifteen minutes of it, so I can't speak too intelligently. I ordered the physical copy that Play Asia had, and it, that just shipped and got here like within the last month. And I you know I popped it in and ran around in like the first area, and I didn't personally run into any like slowdown. But I'm also not very sensitive to that type of thing, so I don't think it probably would have bugged me too much. So it seemed seemed fine. Uh, speaking of which, uh, a friend of the podcast, Super Derek, as we speak right now, mm -hmm. is on day 12 of streaming Chrono Cross. So uh, check Heck out yeah. his stream if you're listening <laughs> to this and if he happens to be. Sounds like he's doing uh, going through the whole game. So he uh, check out his stream on Twitch uh, if you want to see more Chrono Cross remaster. Yeah, he's he's dedicated. He'll he does like voices for every character and stuff. <laughs> yeah, um, we've yeah we've raided him a couple times and hung out in his stream for a while because he he, oh, right he goes all in on the RPGs, dude. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's hardcore. Sure. Yeah, and he's 
he he goes in now we have a, like a little sub we have subsets of categories for the guests that have been on the show and he he fits firmly into our nice list of sexy voiced folks that we've had on here i could listen your to that guy talk Garia and your yeah. super derricks and, and king k king k yeah it's just some, some... not only that but super derrick has like you know he's got like the mahogany shelves and it looks it looks like he has like a f- he might as well have a fireplace in his office in his he, game room he's like streaming out of an rpg <laughs> in or an rpg tablet <laughs> <That's true. laughs> i love it that's a good way of putting it I love he's it. got like a snifter of brandy next to him and <laughs> it, it, there's like an old man standing on it by a chair like yep. you go up and talk to him and he says the same thing over and over <laughs> All right. Well, that was it for emails. Um, we didn't answer. I mean, I answered I'm drinking water. Steve, I've seen you. You've been turning up. What is that? A big old Frappuccino? What do you got there? Uh, it's an iced Americano with a little bit of cream. It is very much my drink. I'm very well known for drinking this very specific beverage on stream because I basically get one every day. Interesting. You'll live forever doing that. That's good. And uh, I mean, I know, I know, Mike was looking for some alcoholic beverages, but uh, I, I yeah. just, it's just too hot in this house today uh, for me. Yeah, just water for me, man. Yeah. I, this is like my eighth glass of water. I live out in the desert. I need to stay hydrated. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's great. But uh, I did recently. I got a Devil's Backbone like summer uh, value pack lately, and I, I think I don't know if Devil's Backbone is it's it might be a regional thing i don't know but uh i do enjoy that so mike i'll shout that out i don't know check out check out devil's backbone check out their stuff all right uh before we close it out here steve um it'd be good for you to to again tell folks what you're doing over there on twitch how to get there what you what you're working on right now maybe what's coming up what they can expect and and get them in there get these folks they need to see steve <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I tend to stream if you, I mean, you you like the NES and the SNES games, you too. I tend to do a lot of retro streams. We do stream some, well, I guess what you'd call known jank stuff that <laughs> I expect to be a little rough, but we're always, the, the sort of the whole mission of the stream is to find cool games, whether it's well-known ones or not, retro or not. We do some modern, some indie, a lot of retro uh, and we just goof around and have fun. So if folks do want to come hang out, they can do so. It's twitch.tv slash blinkoom, O-O-M. And I stream Tuesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, usually starting around 7 Central. So coming out. Indeed. Right yeah. And I did, uh, I popped over to your about page and was looking, you have a nice list there of games that you have beaten on stream which, of course, satisfies your mission there. Also good for Polykill, since that's all we do over there is beat games. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, wow, what a uh, what a list in here. I mean, we got we got bangers like Balan Wonderworld, of course. Uh, oh, we also so have Contra 4, you know, so hitting both both ends there. Yeah, Dragon Age Origins, that only took you six months, but you knocked it out for us, you know. Kuon, yeah. a game that no one can afford, got to see you stream it. Good stuff. Lately, it's been a lot of handheld <laughs> stuff. I mean, yeah, we were doing some, uh, I, I, so everything that I stream, I stream off of, I have the real carts or the real discs and it's streamed off of, you know, real hardware or like an analog pocket with something that approximates real hardware. None of it's emulated. And recently we were doing some like, uh, Game Boy and Game Gear stuff. So we did Tales Adventure, which was really good. We did Mega Man Extreme 1 and 2, which were surprisingly good ports of the mm. Mega Man X games to Game Boy Color. Uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of fun stuff. 
Yeah, it's good stuff for sure. Uh, Trevor McFur and the Crescent Galaxy, not fun stuff. <laughs> I I loved that so much that we made an emote for my channel out of Trevor McFur. <laughs> you have Stockholm Syndrome. You have Stockholm no. Syndrome. What in the hell is that? Trevor oh, McFur and the Crescent Galaxy is the best shoot 'em up you've never played. It's an Atari Jaguar game, which tells you a lot about it going in. Oh, very nice. <laughs> and imagine if, you know, you, you, you were like, all right, I want to make a shoot 'em up but I want to take Star Fox and just kind of crank the furry meter up to 10 or 11. <laughs> and, and then I just, I just want it jank. Just jank it up a bit for me. Just sprinkle a little jank in there. <laughs> so it's got, it's got a ton of different weapons. It's very funny. It has no music, which is perfect. I mean, who, whoever likes shoot em up music, right? You listen to motion. You're like, turn the volume down. I don't want to hear any of these tunes. <laughs> Uh, see that Stockholm syndrome talking. That's what that is. Uh, I have never. I mean, I have never seen a game so ugly in my life. It needed music. It needed something. No, yeah, I mean, it would have benefited, but we still had fun. And and that is like a good example of a lot of people. I think would pop in a game like that and they dunk on it for fifteen minutes and then they move on to the next thing. But I I spent ten hours of my streaming life grinding at Trevor McFur until we saw credits on that bad boy. It was it was fun. I mean, you made yeah. that sound miserable, uh, but it was fun I to hang it. out. We we had a lot of fun. I mean, we we dunked on it for ten hours. It was it was actually kind of nice to see progress happen in that game because uh, you know it's not that simple. Uh, so yeah, so that's the flavor, folks. If you're in it to win it, uh, come hang out and blink stream twitch.tv forward slash blinkoom. It's going to be in the description of the podcast. Uh, all right, well that's gonna I think it's going to close us out here. Uh, that's been another drunk friend. And you can reach out to us with questions or comments at drunkfriendpodcast at gmail.com. We'll respond to that or read it here eventually, of course. Uh, hop on over to polymedianetwork.com. That's where you can find Tales of the Lesser Medium, uh, Petey's Power Hour, and uh, two podcasts that Steve is on, Polykill and IndieQuest. So hop on over there and check this out. And if you're not interested in sending an email, no big deal. Just give us a rating and review on a podcast app of your choice, and that'll help us out big time. In fact, right now, you can rate on Spotify. Imagine that. Do it. Uh, you can find us all on social media. On Twitter, I'm at Trap Plays Games. Alex, of course, Snest Drunk. And you can find Steve at Blinkoom and on Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash Blinkoom. And as always, the music you heard in the beginning and can hear right now is composed by our friend Coolor. The track you hear is called Electric Star Bounce, and you can find a link to more of his music on the Buzzsprout podcast page. And a shout out to Josh Leslie oh my for God. our first... Thir you know what? I said Josh <laughs> Leslie, and then I said first quenching logo. <laughs> <laughs> I can't get it right to save my life. Jesus Christ. So yeah, Ugh, story of my life. So close. Oh, man. Uh, be sure to catch us all on YouTube and Twitch, and thanks for listening. And we hope you have a great rest of your day. Peace.